Have you heard about Jebit? Jebit is a platform that lets you create things like product matches, personality quizzes, gift guides, trivia, and more. These experiences are fully branded and easy to create and can be launched on any channel. D2C brand Pour Moi Skincare has been using Jebit for years and said, awareness, education, conversion, our Jebit quiz does it all. Start for free at tryjebit.com slash today. On with the show. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC by Pilot House. Hello and welcome to the DTC podcast. This week, we're super lucky and excited to welcome Brennan Dunn to the show. Brennan is the co-founder of Right Message a tool that helps make automated segmentation and website personalization accessible and easy for just about any business. He's also the founder of Double Your Freelancing, a community and training resource for over 50,000 freelancers and agencies who want to, well, double their results. His writing has been featured by Forbes, Mixergy, Lifehacker, and many others. Uh, Brennan uh, is also a pilot, and I'm kind of excited to dive into that because that's a, a, a personal um, aspiration of mine. But uh, yeah, how, how are you doing, Brennan? Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Kyle. I am doing well. Like I mentioned, I've got a big move ahead of me. So been kind of in this crazy... I think I actually, when we were emailing, I was like, yeah, definitely want to be on, but it needs to be soon because I'm about like everything you see here. It's about to go in a shipping container and being sent overseas. So um, yeah, I'm doing well, all things considered. Awesome. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for, for coming on. I, I know it's a busy time for uh, for everyone, but especially you. Uh, we, we love to start these podcasts with just a little bit of a, a value rocket. And so um, first of all, what, like, what would you say your your particular area of expertise is, your, your zone of genius, if you will? I think, um, I mean, personalization is a bit of a loaded term, but I think uh, really the better way of putting it, which is less ambiguous, because I have thoughts on what I think how personalization is misused as a term. Um, but I would say dynamic niching is probably the thing that I'm most excited about. And that's what I've been doing a lot of homework around. Dynamic niching. And um, well, that's, I've, I've never actually heard that term. So that's, a, if, is that essentially segmenting your, your audience based on, on their behavior? Is that it's basically just real life. So it's like if you were, if you and I were talking in person, say over Zoom, and I wanted something, I wanted you to do something, right? Like buy something or whatever. Um, I'm going to take into account who you are, how you're acting, what I know about you and all that. And I'm going to use that to influence the way I describe or position my offer, like what I want you to do. Um, so it's really just take, taking that kind of age old model of not conversational, I think is a bit also misused, but more of like, what are my impressions and my, my backstory knowledge of like the person that I'm trying to sell to, whether I'm trying to sell you something for money or ask somebody to go on a date with me or whatever it might be, right? Like we all do this. We all try to get somebody to agree with what we want them to do. So um, dynamic positioning is the way I think about that is just saying, well, you've got a website or you've got email, you know, content being sent or whatever else. How can we reshape the message of the things somebody's consuming on the fly based on behavioral or first or third party data? Awesome. And um, 
what's 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 one thing about that 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 most people don't know like what's one thing about dynamic niching that most people don't know but they but they probably should i mean i think the big thing is most marketers especially know that niching out like niche products niche websites whatever outperform generic right um but a lot of us have things to offer that have wide use or or wide applicability. so i think the big thing it's not as much of not knowing but it's more of a we all know niche businesses are really, really effective when you're, somebody in that niche is looking at buying. Um, so, you know, the the overall conversion rates tend to be higher when you've got the right person looking at the right product for them. Um, so ultimately, if, if you care about really relatively simple ways to pretty sizably increase overall conversions, then this is something that I think is I think a lot of people think of personalization as sticking somebody's first name in an email, um, but this is well beyond that. That's that's what I was going to ask. I want to get into those those key things people can do. But what, just even to start with, what are the what are you know? You said you had a contentious idea of of, of personalization, or you, you think that term is overused. Essentially, what are what what do people call personalization that just really isn't cutting the mustard? I mean, I think it's just it's it's, it's like I kind of look at it as Madlib style kind of stuff, right? Where, mm. you know, it, I mean, I don't, I don't think when I, when I get an email from a brand that has my name at the top of it, um, I know what's happening. It, it's mail merging. It's, you know, it's, it's basically, there's nothing, nothing novel about that. It's, it's more, it's more about thinking through what is, who actually is this person and what is it that they uniquely need for me? And then how can I better present what I have for them? Um, so it's more about just saying like, hey, Eric, or hey, Kyle, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's about like, actually, you know, I, I see a lot of this, like you see it with outreach tools, you see it with email marketing software where they they advertise their personalization abilities, but it's usually about injecting like custom field data into an email or something. Totally. I, I you know, so one of the things that we wanted to do in this podcast is is get uh so like like we always like to do is get some free consulting essentially um <laughs> you know we, we've we've got this situation where we have uh this this fast-growing newsletter we're just mm -hmm. under fifteen thousand uh subscribers on it we have uh, tremendous positive feedback about it in terms of the businesses that are signing up at the agency and the the, the, the actual comments that people like it uh and and then on top of this uh you know we're you know we're building an advertising model there but then uh, on top of this we're also launching our, our membership tier and our and our our monthly workshops which are sort of the crown jewel of of this uh this membership program and we're we're sort of like right just today we were having discussions i think about dynamic niching about basically um you know, finding a way to message people about the right things, because one mm -hmm. of the things that we're worried about is if we message everyone about everything, yeah. uh, our, our crown, you know, our open rates of our newsletter, which we, which we base so much of our growth plans on, uh, yeah. you know, could be affected. So I, I'm interested in, in, in your thoughts. And, and so, so keep in mind, we are, we're a new, a weekly newsletter, uh, and then we have monthly workshops that feed into our membership tier. Okay. So the, the product ladder would be free subscriber, one-off workshop monthly. That. This is up for debate. Yeah, whether it go, whether okay. it goes right now, we have the idea of a, what maybe we're gonna make people go into the monthly on a trial basis, perhaps, and just have that as the one product. But just looking at the numbers today, we did extremely well in our first one on standalone sales. So having that as an option, I think, is going to be important. Sorry, KG, go ahead. I, well, but before we, uh, you know, tactically dive into it, I, I'd love for you first to to myth bust um, 
a philosophy that that I kind of have, and I imagine many other people have, that I, I have a feeling you're going to poke holes in very effectively. Um, so, you know, we send this newsletter out every week. It's packed full of value. Um, my my philosophy is let's let's email email our entire list, and if they don't want to receive every single message from us, well, unsubscribe. You know, see you later. Um, and my thinking there is that. I'd rather have a list of people that want to hear from me every single time, um, kind of like a good friend, rather than this sort of lukewarm list. They, they just want the newsletter. Um, and so, I don't know, like, I'm sure there's something really dumb about that. And and I, I'd love for you to tell me exactly why that's- I No, I mean, I frankly, I mean, it's what I do. Um, I, I, I don't, I think, I think you can go really wild and you can say like, I am, I mean, Frank, the way I look at it is, I'm lucky to knock out maybe one to two pieces of content a month. So if I was to say this content is for this sub segment, I mean, you're, you're just, I don't have a content team, right? So I can't do like that amount of curation. And I think that's kind of what it's getting at, which is curating available content. Um, so I'm all, I'm fine with that. But I think, you know, to what um, Eric just asked about, I think there's actually something that could be interesting to model out, which is, this concept of an offer funnel, where I think I think what a, what a really interesting place to be in is when you can say, I'm going to go to I'm going to create like new content, right? So I'm going to create a great new article, and yeah, it might not have specific applicability to everyone on the receiving end, but you know, it, it's it's original content. I, we put a lot of time into creating it. Um, you send it out, but then dynamically both in the email itself, but also if they, if you're doing like a newsletter where they click through to a blog post or something, um, when they're on your site, making it so you're basically doing, you're, you're, you're creating personalized call to actions that reflect uh, two things, uh, where somebody is in your offer funnel. And I can talk about that in a second, along with any horizontal information you have about them. So like, how do you color the description of that offer? So, you know, um, case in point would be, I mentioned, um, you know, we have uh, my main business is it's called Right Message, and we have if you th an offer funnel. The way I the way I think about an offer funnel would be, given who somebody is and what I know about them, what do I think that they should do next, or what what do I think they should do next? And that's kind of presupposed on this. Uh, you know, one one of the books I read early on when I started to get into this kind of world um, was fifteen or so years ago. It was a book called Don't Make Me Think. And the I idea, know that one. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean, it's basically people are dumb. They don't want to need to learn your website or learn your thing. Like, just make it obvious, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that that idea, I think, has a lot of universal applicability to it. It's not anything new. It's just kind of human nature. Um, I think what what's interesting is when you think about well, so with Right Message, we have our our offer funnel would be we want an anonymous person on our website to join our email list usually through our email course we want somebody who is on our email course they're going to be branched off depending on how valuable we think they are if they're really valuable i want them to book a demo or they get on a call with me if they're not as valuable i want them to book a start a trial a free trial when ultimately all paths converge back on a trial because i want them to do, to do a demo when they complete the demo, I want them to now start an account to so start a trial. When you trial, um, my goal with you then, the next stage, think of it as like a state machine, next stage would be uh, to become a, an active customer. But then you could either go directly into say the highest tier plan, or you could start with the basic plan. And if, I, if you're on the basic plan, I'm gonna wanna 
you to pay more, right? Revenue expansion. And then if you cancel, um, I want you to come back and, and start it all over. So that would be like our offer funnel. So what we've built is we've built at the email service provider layer or level, a an automation that fires every time anyone's state changes. So if they sign up for a trial, this reruns. If they um, convert from tr uh, trial to paid, that reruns. They join our email course, that reruns. And what it does is kind of like a, it's like a Plinko board if you've ever watched The Price is Right. I don't know if it yeah, aired in Canada. Of course, but yeah, of yeah. course. So Plinko board kind of style, right? <laughs> so um, the goal is, you know, somebody ends up with the next offer. And what's really powerful about that is that data gets then attached as segmentation data to the record in your email database. So that when you're sending out your weekly newsletter or whatever it might be, you can insert as like a PS or, you know, somewhere mixed into the thing, um, effectively a call to action that is specific to what somebody should do next. So the benefit there would be, say you're emailing out weekly, like in our case, uh, we get somebody on our email list through the email course, they're getting a uh, pitch, let's say they're lower value, we pitch them on the trial. They sign up for a trial a day or two later, the next email they get from me, my newsletter will they'll be mid trial. So then they'll get something about pointing them to the learning center. Like, hey, I hope you're enjoying the trial. And what's nice is I just need to, I just need to write, right? I just need to create this, this content. And the the layering in of these promotions, if you will, are is done at the template level. So it's something I don't need to do. Every time I do a newsletter, I don't need to be thinking about the personalization element. I'm just thinking about I've got this this thing that will figure out where somebody is in the offer funnel come up with what offer they need to be shown. And then that offer goes through a bit of a round robin system that I've developed so that it's not the same text being spit out every week. Um, it's like a stock of usually 10 variants and it'll just kind of rotate through. But then it's also taking into account that horizontal data of like, you know, we have things like um, we capture on our confirmation page when somebody opts into our email course, we have a, a little, um, so if you go to writemessage.com, you opt in the email course, you get to a confirmation page that surveys you. It says, hey, you're about to get less than one in five minutes, but we have, I think it's like eight or nine different questions that we we ask them, point and click questions that help us find out the why. So why are they here? Why did you join the email course? And there's four options. I want to get more leads. Cool. Second thing is what kind of business do you have? I have a software business or e-commerce um, to make this personalized. Uh, you know, choose e-com. Um, what email service provider do you use? I use Drip and, and so on and so forth. And how happy are, I ask things like, how happy are you with subscriber growth, your you know um, subscriber to customer conversion rates and all that kind of stuff. And this is how you determine value as well. Yeah, Correct. yeah that's yeah. how it routes them, right? So yeah. um, because part of that is we also ask them their average lead, uh, how many leads are getting per day, right? So if they say like 100 plus, they're being routed to, book a demo with me. Um, if they say one to 10, they're going to self-serve, right? Um, so all that happens. And what's nice is the email course they get, there are about 20,000 variations of that course that are based off that data. Now wow. it's it really, it doesn't, it seems overwhelming, but what it really <laughs> involved was there's a baseline email course that I wrote, a non-lesson course. And I'm, I'm using liquid templating to dynamically show different paragraphs of text. So if they say I'm a software company, here's the inline one paragraph thing about, you know, how a software company could benefit with personalization or whatever. 
And then I just go through the list and there's four options. So it's basically like an if else, 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 else type thing, right? Um, and there's a lot of that. And it did it did add some, it took about an hour or two to create all the, to, to go from one variation to 20,000 took about an hour of work. Um, but people really like it because they're saying like, you know, if they say I use Clavio and I'm a e-com company and, you know, uh, they're, they're currently say using uh, Sumo, they're going to get language about Clavio and Sumo and e-commerce examples and stuff that just make it seem like to them, like when they finally see the software at the end of the funnel, like, okay, like this is a tool that, you know, they've identified potential frustrations with Sumo, namely no awareness of a returning customer or subscriber. Um, they're calling out the fact that like there's e-com all over. It's, it seems like a very niche product. Um, but, you know, we have software companies using us. We have agencies using us. We have, you know, all these different types of businesses who use us. But what we've done is we've positioned what it is we have, which is here's a software with a bunch of features. And liquid templating being one of the features on right message. Cause that's not, that's not something out of the box on a lot of these. ESPs, no, liquid is templating is a, um, so with, with products like uh, drip and uh, ConvertKit and customer IO and active campaign, active campaign, unfortunately not. No, mm. um, they, they have their own homegrown. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's one of my, I, I love active campaign as a product. If they could just fix their templating, it would make me, a lot more willing to recommend it, but um, mm. it's just a, the ability to do. It actually emerged out of Shopify, so it's a, it's it's almost like a programming language that you can put in email content that allows you to say like, you know, to set up these kind of complex conditionals and stuff. Got it. Um, but what's nice is yeah, you end up with twenty thousand potential email courses that somebody could go through, and um, we get replies daily with people who are going through it saying like. This is like they expected, I guess, because we're a personalization software that we're probably doing that. But um, you know, it does it does work because people want the things seemingly made just for them. So it's you know, the next right message can't afford to be a e-com only, only integrates with Clavio, only does this, only like we can't do that. There's no need to when we can serve a lot of different needs. Um so but we figured, yeah, just needs to yeah. be done on the fly. I love it. Well, just one more question about this, and then I really want to move on to some practical things that D2C brands can do to, to, to yeah. engage real personalization. So one of, I love this idea of, you know, right now we have people subscribe to the newsletter. They, there's an option to do a quiz basically, but we're not really using that data. There's, it's like, is there, do you feel, is there an effect on like on opt-in rates when you do include these optional uh, like, it, first of all, is yours optional? Like in order to be a lead on your system, do you need to go through that whole, that whole survey? No, and, and for someone like us that has this like one value, we really want them on the newsletter. And then we also want to know these things that could, because that, that idea of routing people based on their challenges, like we have very clearly defined avatars, mm -hmm. you know, on, yeah. on our thing, we could barely, we could break those out and, and start serving some, some custom messaging to them. Um, but yeah. I'm just, yeah, what are your, what, what are the effects on sign up? by asking more info. Yeah, so that's that's the million dollar question is usually, all right, so we're gonna put friction in between the visitor and an opt-in form, right? There's gonna be a, a, a survey, let's say. Um, what effect does that have? So we've experimented a lot with this. We obviously have our own data that we sit on. So we have about 300 customers and that gives us a ton of data that we're able to play with. Um, what we've seen typically is that the best, so, if somebody answers that first question, their retention rate is high. So if you ask another question, they're like 95% going to do that one too. 
Um, it's that first question, which is the hard one. Where we've seen people fall off the tracks is typically having too involved of a question up front. So this would be, it's like, what is your dream in life? And you have these long sent like five options with each of them as kind of a lengthy sentence like that. That's it's, it's difficult to answer that. Whereas, Hey, have you started a business? Yes. No, that's a very simple, everyone can answer that. Um, so what we do is we have a single question that we ask pre-opt-in and there are ways of segmenting. So what we do is we have, I mean, this is, goes into the feature set of right message, but we can also answer questions through behavior. So if they came from uh, drip.com or convertkit.com to our website, we're never going to ask them what they use. We assume they use convertkit if they came from convertkit. Um, likewise, if they came from like a software blog that we're tracking that we get decent referral traffic from, we don't ask them if they came from like, any, say they came from, um, you know, you put up show notes of this talk, you link to right message. I'm going to go in and say, if they came from, Eric and Kyle's site, then I'm just going to assume they're e-commerce. So if you go to our site through the show notes, you're never going to be asked what what type of business. And maybe that's wrong of us, but it's something we usually do. Um, but we usually ask one question up front, and we use that to personalize the opt-in form. Um, so let's say they came from uh, uh, I forgot the exact language we use, but let's say they came from HubSpot.com's integrations directory. They come to our site. They look around, they get the little pop-up that says, what kind of business do you run software company? Um, their opt-in form, both for exit intent from now on out, you know, from now on to after blog posts and everything else is literally going to say, learn how to increase your software signup rate and better segment your HubSpot list form, right? So that compared to the default, which is like, learn how to um, grow your business and better segment your list. That converts. That's it's about 20, 30 percent higher conversion rates there, but you've got that friction up front, right? So our net overall, because we've we've A/B tested this, our net overall um, conversion rate increase is about 10, 12 percent or so. So we're still happy with that. I mean, that's still sizable enough given enough volume. Um, and we've had some people, like we have some customers, we just did a case study who got a 300% improvement, but they have a very big and intensive uh, thing where they're routing people, they have like 20 different lead magnets, they're routing people to the right one, depending on wow. like, are they a student? Yes, no. And then all these follow-up things. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it's not because we have amazing forms or anything like that. It's just, we're able to deliver a more relevant or specific niche, if you will. Um, opt-in form, but then like to, um, you asked about, well, actually you're, we're going to move into overall DTC stuff, right? So yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I'd love to do that. I am specifically because you, you obviously have such an advanced understanding, um, you know, of, of, of dynamic niching. Um, I'd be curious where the low hanging fruit uh, lies for, for DTC brands. What, you know, what do you see most of them missing that they could, you know, take an hour or two and implement and, and see some, some great results. I mean, I think the biggest thing would be better awareness of when returning subscribers and or customers are on site. So I can't, I mean, one of, one of my favorite outreach tactics is to go to a uh, let's say I'm on your email list and you link me to your site and I go there and a giant pop-up pops up saying, give me your email address and I'll give you 10% off. Um, you just emailed me. 
right? Like that, that's our number one thing, which is like, why are you, that, that's not only potentially going to cause somebody to, to scramble to find another email address that they own, um, but it also has the downside of being a missed opportunity where you could instead say like, you know, hey, welcome back, Kyle. Here's a thing you might be interested in or something as, as like a, a, you know, a pop-up or something that might show when they go to leave the site. Um, so I think the biggest thing would be at a minimum, say, if they're anonymous, you want them on your list. Usually with DTC, it's an exchange for like a coupon or something. And if they're known, then show them something. And that could be based off that offer funnel. Or if you've got like just a portfolio of random stuff and it's not really, doesn't make sense to line anything up, um, just dump them to like, you know, your latest products or something like that. Because um, you already have their info. You don't need that. Um, so that that's the thing that a lot of our D, like e-com companies are doing where they're just saying like, you know, when, when returning subscribers are back on site, like just don't, don't show the email opt-ins any longer. I love that. So that's some low hanging fruit. Give us some, uh, give us some of those, those juicy, those juicy bits on the top. Do you, are, are there, are there any, like, have you seen some really, or have you implemented some just really cool examples yeah. of segmentation in the D2C space you could tell us about? Yeah. So we have uh, one of our customers is a jewelry store and um, what they're doing. So every marketer would love to be able to say, Facebook has a ton of great data. I'd love to know like that data, right? And I know there's privacy stuff and all that we need to kind of contend with. But one thing that people are doing is they're saying, well, I'm running ads on Facebook. And so th this company in particular, they run ads and um, it's very into that. I like kind of, they're all linking to their homepage, which again is, I have thoughts on that, but I'll, I'll ignore that for now. Um, all these ads are linking to the homepage. And what they're doing is they have really three different core ad sets, one of which is targeting single men, one's targeting married men, and one's targeting women. And th so they sell not just jewelry, they're, they're, they sell like engagement rings and anniversary rings and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, so what they do, if, if, you, if you are being served an ad that is only targeting single men on Facebook, they, um, what, what they're doing is they are passing along that targeting segment data in the URL that then goes to the site. So if that person clicks on that ad and makes their way to the site, the only way they'll ever be shown that ad is if they went into Facebook and said, I'm single, right? And I'm, I'm male. Um, so, you that's know, that, that's, that's what they've done. And they've made it so when those people are on the site, all the messaging, all the opt-in incentives, everything is focused on engagement, right? And the engagement is in like the marital status, not like marketing mm. speak. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's very cool. Yeah, the um, so, but if if you received a similar ad, but you have said to Facebook that you're married, everything will be then focused on anniversary stuff. So you basically end up with this e-com jewelry store that's all obsessed with all things anniversary you're not seeing young couples you're seeing like you know gray-haired people um renewing their vows or whatever right um and then but if you came to that same site as a and i think they actually did go further where they're they're passing along age range data too so this is targeting single men who are between 18 to 30 right and then it'll show like the, the primary testimonial, like on the right below the homepage hero, along with like the imagery will be younger couples. Um, 
and they've gone all out and they've made it so like, you know, people want to see themselves in the product. So if you are a 25 year old, who's going to pop the question soon, um, you're seeing people who are about your age and, you know, are talking about getting married and stuff like that and, and language about that and, and f focused on certain products surfacing that are, um, again, I don't really know the difference between like a wedding ring and a anniversary ring. If that's even a thing, I know anniversary stuff tends to be less rings, more like bracelets and stuff like that. Anyway, they, they've done that very well and they've made it. So what they're able to accomplish is, um, effectively being niched toward the fact that the ad somebody clicked on was targeting a certain type of person Multi and they're using, yeah. And right? they, like they it allows you to be declared. Yeah. Like quantum niching. It's sort yeah. of like, depending on, you know, is the cat alive or dead? It depends on the cookie from Facebook. That's my question then. Do they set cookies for the rest of their web experience? So if they come back, they're not going to see, yeah, they'll still they come back with no URL parameters. They, a week later, it still knows that they are a single man. Yeah. That's super interesting. And I, I, I bring up minority report on this podcast probably every third, <laughs> you know, that idea of like, welcome, John, you know, you, you, you like V-neck sweaters or whatever. I, I said that exact line probably a half dozen times, but yeah. it's, it, it, that's what it really appears to be building towards in some ways, right? Like, yeah, well, it's like another example would be, um, we have fitness, uh, companies who use us and same deal where if you're a, if you're like a 22 year old woman, you do not want to see a bunch of testimonials from 50 year olds, right? Yep. Like you're it's negative just, effect. Yeah, exactly. Not just, um, yeah. And I think the solution there is either you go, you, you niche down, you're all focused on a certain type of fitness things. Like say, you, say you're selling supplements or vitamins. I mean, you niche down to focusing on one thing, right? And, 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 and that does well, but you know, you can, you can kind of do that on the fly is kind of the argument we're making. Yeah. It's super ninja. I mean, um, the, you know, that you can leverage Facebook's, you know, or any ad platform surgical targeting and, mm -hmm. and have that sort of ad sent really, uh, carry through on the, on the webpage, I, I think is, is something most people don't even think is possible. And so, and that's specifically what right message does. Right. Correct. Um, right. And yeah. you could also, um, like, that's, that's behavioral. So you can also do self-segmenting, which is more the quiz or survey kind of mm -hmm. model where it's like, oh, I want to lose weight um, or I want to gain more muscle or whatever. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you can then use that effect everything from then on out. So cool. And and something else you mentioned earlier uh, that I'm curious about are, um, you know, you said that uh, folks, well, you, you alluded to the, to the idea that folks probably shouldn't drive traffic to, to their homepage, even if it's, um, you know, dynamic. Uh, I'm wondering, so I'm wondering, what and it's might be a little too vague, but I'm I'm curious where you think DTC, um, you know, uh, natured ad should should go to. Should they go to a product display page? Uh, should they go to a pre-sales page? Lead magnet. What are your, what are your thoughts there? I mean, I think it depends on what it is you're offering. And again, yeah. full disclosure, I'm not an e-com expert at all, so mm -hmm. I don't know probably enough about that to make a authoritative answer. Um, but you know, to to cycle back to the homepage thing. I'm actually okay with it if you, you know, if I go to amazon.com, my amazon.com is not your amazon.com, right? Um, so, you know, I mean, th this is an example of what I'm getting at where, you know, Amazon's taking into account behavioral cues, like what products you've looked at, along with what they know about what you've already purchased. And God knows what else they're doing under the hood. Um, and, 
you can do the same thing where you could say like we have, for instance, um, you know, some companies that use us who they're driving everyone to say a homepage or a landing page where they're using us to create hundreds or thousands of permutations of that page. So I'm not opposed to uh, the actual URL being accessed being the same. Um, but what I do think is often missed opportunity would be if somebody is looking, especially with search ads, if somebody's looking for a very specific thing and you just dump them on, you know, your generic, like browse the catalog homepage, um, that's a bit problematic. But I think like if you're doing one, an ad that's more intercepting somebody where it's just more of a, like a Facebook ad where, you know, they're not, there's not intent behind it. It's more, you're targeting them due to what they've already shown interest in or, or whatever else then, um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I have zero issue with some combination of, well, what is the, like, it, it, let's say to go back to the um, weight loss example or the fitness site example, let's say they're running a few different ads um, or a few different types of ads. Some of them are talking about strength training. Some of them are talking about burning fat. Some of them are talking about getting better sleep or something and not being so fatigued. Um, you can absolutely pass into, and you should, passed into the website context about how they self-segmented by clicking that ad um, and compound that with any data that you can pull out through that targeting. So if you're targeting you know, this ad, and this involves having a bunch of layers of, of ad campaigns running concurrently, but if you're targeting, say they click on an ad about uh, you know losing weight and they are between 18 to 30 and female, you go to the site, you then have 3D bits of data and you can permanently store um, pre-opt-in. And then let's say you do hit them with the pop-up saying, hey, type in your email address and get 10% off. What's great is you can get that email address. And then not only are you starting off with a new contact record with an email address, but you also get pushed up female 18 to 30 and want to lose weight. So then the marketing emails you send, those onboarding emails can be focused on really those three things, probably more so the lose weight angle. Um, and that, that stuff works incredibly well because it's not about just capturing on that one landing page, which is how I think a lot of people think. It can be get them onto the site, let them browse around a bit. Then they go to maybe leave without buying. And then they get then they give up their email address. That's when you can take all that data that you collected you know, six pages ago and, and actually persist it. So much value in that, I, I think. like As, a, as an agency, we, we really specialize in pre-sales content, creating... Um, engagement, engaging experiences that allow us to kind of go broader with our targeting and then allow those engagements and that experience to kind of help self-select and, yep. and just sort of like overall increase conversion rates. But what we're not doing, uh, often we're building these experiences that, that are sort of pretty cu customized to our audience. But when we send them to the to the client site, in, in a lot of cases, we're probably not, we're not greeting them in a way that would probably give us massive conversion lift if we were if we were customizing it that's really really interesting uh we, we only have a bit more time here and i really wanted to talk about uh you know the right use of sms i know it's going to be different on a case-by-case -case basis but it is such a um such a powerful technology in terms of you know open rates and engagement and all of that i'm interested to hear your sort of philosophy of, of where you use it how you think of, of sms marketing so i've frankly only ever used it twice um or two different roles i should say um, so my other business besides right message is a company called W freelancing and it's basically selling online courses for freelancers. And, um, what I've done with SMS there 
is so the tool I I use both now and previously. I used to use Drip. I use ConvertKit now. They don't have any built-in SMS stuff at all. So what I've ended up doing is through a combination of writing to custom fields with Zapier and Twilio, um, being able to send easily. So all I need to do is say, right, uh, set a custom field with a message or set the field message with whatever. And then that'll notify Zapier. It'll send a text and then it'll purge that message field so I can set it again in the future. But where I've used that is for uh, two different things. One of which is um, when I've, I haven't done them in a while, but when I used to do a lot of webinars, I would do it um, there just to like remind people like, hey, 10 minutes from now, um, go on live, click here or check your email and the link's also there. And what's um, key there is the immediacy, right? That you're using yeah. it. You're not using it to be like, hey, next week, this is happening or this is, you know, the, yeah, the real, like, that, hey, it's happening. Live. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the only other, other way I've done that too is if, uh, so I have a lot of evergreen pitch sequences that fire off. And um, part of that is also when the pitch does open up or when the window, the sales window does open up, um, a, a text goes out. But I've never done anything with like conversational SMS and all that, which I know is possible. I just haven't done anything like that. Nice. Well, hopefully maybe this will open a, open a door of, of more e-com uh, innovations flooding your way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm fat. Like I've got a lot of friends who only do DTC and um, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I want to get more into it. It's it, we're getting there through naturally just our customer base. We're getting more e-commerce companies. I'm getting to look into more accounts that and help them get set up and stuff that are doing that. But um, well, it's let still us know if there's any that we should interview because we're always on the lookout for innovative okay, yeah. brands. Yeah, I can follow up with you over email with that. But yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, it's it's fascinating because there's so much that I think um, it's a little, frankly, it's a bit harder sometimes because there's not as clearly defined offer funnels. There might be for like a, somebody who sells like an ebook and then a course and then a coaching product or something where it's a little more linear. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely application for it. Like in your case, like you, like you were saying with um, your, your funnel, right? Where you uh, want people to maybe buy the transactional workshop and then there's other layers of like trying the membership site or the membership product and then, um, you know, converted, you know, monthly, whatever. Maybe you end up doing like a lifetime thing or an annual plan. Um, you could then pitch them on that, like, hey, save 20% by paying up front for a year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think a lot of us do have product funnels or offer funnels, even if it's just more of a, even for things like with e-com where you might have a giant portfolio of different things you sell, but it might make sense to be able to say, well, if somebody like our, if we know X about somebody, like this is the standard path that they should probably go down. They should start with this product and then go to that product or something. And I mean, it makes, it makes, it makes sense more so I think than it might immediately seem. And, and, and for, for anyone who's earlier on in their, their dynamic niching journey, which is probably just about everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm curious, what are you like, what are your favorite, uh, tools, resources, books for, for someone who, who really wants to, to dive into this? I mean, there's not frankly a lot out there. Um, I am actually, so you invented the, the term you invented, <laughs> did you invent the I term? Mean, I haven't heard anyone use it before. Yeah, I think it's your um, term. Okay, term. Term. Yeah, my term. No, marketers um, need terms. Right? <laughs> you need to have your terms. I mean, there, there's. I think like you know, there's people who've talked about segmentation. There's people like um, 
I haven't frankly gone through his stuff with Ryan Levesque with the Ask Method, I think. Ask Method, yep. Yep, talks about this stuff. Um, there's a lot of good stuff about like discovery funnels, if you will, right? Um, what Where I think a lot of that falls short though is on the, if that's the if condition is get it, getting that info is the if condition, what's the then that should happen? And that's what, frankly, a lot of the, the content strategy we have at Rate Message is trying to fill in these gaps. Because a lot of people, you read these articles and they're like personalizations, the next big thing for 2020, now I'm sure they'll say for 2021 now, but it's kind of weak when it comes to like, well, what does it actually mean, right? Um, so we're trying, we're trying to do our part and with like the material we release. Um, I'm also working on a book too that's uh, focused on kind of like what we talked about today. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing what I can, but, um, I, I am starting to see a lot more on it, not, not just the conceptual side, which has been there forever. Um, but the implementation and technical side too. I love that. That's a, a really good way to put it in terms of the, the, if and the then statement. So let's, here's to 21 being uh, more about the then for marketers, yeah. uh, utilizing this data to send the right message to the right people at the right time. Uh, Brennan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the DETC podcast today. This was a lot of fun. And I think what we're, we're you know, as we work on our funnel, we may, we may send you a, a few, a few midnight messages and, and get you to get you to consult a little bit on, on, on how yeah. you can streamline it. Yeah. That would be fantastic. And I got to say, I'm thrilled to have gotten one of the final interviews in your man cave there. It, it looks like a nice space. <laughs> yeah. I can't can send it we don't have, we don't have a house yet. So I don't know where we'll be we're wandering around the, I don't know. The, the... Are, are you going to, are you going to, are you going to fly there? I mean, uh, like, are you going to fly your own plane? Uh, next summer, it's too cold. I'd be crossing the Arctic. So um, I'd be going through Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Faroe Islands, and then Scotland. Um, you don't want to do it now. <laughs> so it's more of Do we a, have five minutes for flying to talk a little bit about the pilot no, I, I could talk for hours about flying, yeah. It's more exciting. What, what, what? Yeah. What, like, so I, I just have to say my, my dream is that in, uh, in eight years, no, my goal is uh, I want to have a, um, a seaside place with a dock and a float plane. So I can just fly anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, so what, like that, I just love the freedom of it. I'm curious what, what drew you to what, like, what do you love about flying? And, and as an actual pilot, like what, what do you love about it? I mean, the freedom, um, I always wanted to do it professionally, uh, but Probably fortunately, life didn't work out that way. Um, no, I, I just—I mean, it, it's it's great. Like I um, bought a plane last February. It's not a—it's not a fancy plane. It's a sixty-year-old uh, Piper Comanche. And um, what I like about it is I've been working on upgrading it. So, you know, I, I'm putting in a new instrument panel at the moment. Um, redid the interior over the summer, and. Um, it's just like, it, it's, it's, well, I can tell you that one, one thing is just like the amount of like, like the other few weeks ago before I took the, took it down to do the panel, um, flew with a buddy of mine down to North Carolina to go have oysters for lunch at this Island that cut Ocracoke, which is off in the outer banks. And usually it's like a four or five hour drive from here, but it was a 40 minute flight. So just go there, That's land travel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is like, it I, really is. I mean, it, it's just like, you know, we went up with the kids also to, um, to ocean city, New Jersey, which six hour drive usually, cause there's a ferry involved in stuff. And, uh, it was an hour and 10 minutes and we just land, go to the boardwalk, 
have some like kettle corn and go on amusement rides and do stuff and then we just fly home. Um, and it's totally like, it's far. <laughs> I, I love it. And we're Island bound, right? So it takes us three hours to get off, to get to the, you know, the rest of the continent. Uh, yeah. whereas if you, whereas if you go Harbor to Harbor, like in uh, KG's dream here, you, you know, it's a 15 minute Vancouver to Victoria Harbor. It's like, once you do that, it's, yeah. you know, it's hard to go back to that three and a half hour grind. Uh, in terms of, you know, depending on how much you value your time, right? Yeah, um, I mean, I'd absolutely, you're going to need to learn on land first um, before you get your seaplane in, uh, endorsement. I, I think, it, yep. I don't think it's an endorsement. I think it's a proper rating. Um, at least, I don't know how the CAA works, but with the FAA, um, it's a seaplane rating. So you typically would do, yeah, your, your single engine land, and then you get the, the seaplane thing. The neat idea but, I have about being a pilot is similar to someone told me something about sailing which is this idea, like when you're flying a plane, when you're sailing, it's like, if you don't do the right things, you'll die. You know what I mean? If you, if you are fast and loose with, with anything, you know, if you don't make the, and so it's sort of like a metaphor for like, if you could live your life in yeah. that way, where, you know, where you're always making the right decisions, you're not, you know, I just think there's something there. Does, does that enter your mind at all as a pilot? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, half of training is just like, I mean, half of it is honestly, you're with your instructor and he's like, oh, engine just broke. <laughs> and then like, you know, what do we do? Um, so, you know, safety is drilled in and, and survivability, I, I guess, is drilled in your head constantly. Um, and it, it does make it also fun when you take passengers up because you can, because typically you, you, no one's ever gone on a commercial plane where they've cut the engines. Um, <laughs> so but you can no. do that with... <laughs> <laughs> my uncle used to take me up and, and we, we would do these, these centrifugal force drills and he would cut yeah. the engines and yeah. we have a book that would raise up. It was, I have really defined memories from that really, really special yeah. stuff to be able to share well, with your kids. Terrified of like that. I mean, it's just a glider, <laughs> right? And then, then, you, then it's fun when you talk to like family and stuff and you're like, yeah, every time you've ever landed on a plane, it's a controlled crash, which is true. I mean, that's, that's basically what it, oh, what it is. Right? It ruined my day. I guess I'm not missing travel as much these days during COVID now that, uh, now that I know. Uh, yeah. Flying cool. is very Thanks. safe. I mean, the kind of flying I do is not as safe just because we don't have don't have a co-pilot usually, and um, you know the the uh, tur piston engines tend to fail more than turbine. But you know, it's still safety is a big thing. So yeah, we we try our best. It's a record of your choices too. Just you know, just in the same way when you're flying, all your choices matter. The same you know, you're, when you're building the electrical plan uh, panel yeah. on your on your plane, that's up to you as well. Well, you know what they say, I mean, like the, the safety records between general aviation and, and motorcycle, like, you know, like people who ride motorcycles are about the same. And a lot of people say motor, riding motorcycles is really dangerous and, and it is, or it can be. But the difference is with a motorcycle, you're usually gonna get killed if, because of some other external thing, like a car hits you or something, right? right. Rarely are, do minor collisions happen with, with aviation. It's usually the, a pilot's mistake, frankly. It's usually in often minor, issues are due to the pilot making a mistake um but usually you have more control over it now there are stupid pilots who just they'll be hung over and they run into a mountain i mean that's just you know like that shouldn't have been flying but yeah and it's yeah well that's a real downer to end the podcast on yeah. but <laughs> Very cool. Thank you so much for that. I think uh, I, I think it's one of the cool things of, of people in this in this space, you know, building these amazing digital businesses can have these really interesting aspirations and can execute on them. And I think that's that's what's so exciting for all of us. So it's cool to hear yeah. about yours. Yeah, well, thank you.
Nice. All right. Well, we'll be back in touch. Uh, but until then, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll see you in DTC Plus. Uh, we hope to we hope to have you join us there. We've got some really uh, exciting holiday stuff coming up here for DTC Plus members. We're just planning our first mixer uh, where we're going to learn some interesting things. Um, and yeah, a lot of special thanks to the sponsors that you'll hear about. And uh, thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys soon. Peace.